Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The excitement around tonight's Padres game with the Dodgers at Petco. Just winning tonight potentially would be history in Petco Park and by default in San Diego. I'm Jade Hindman. This is KPBS Midday Edition. A change in how visa applications are processed for people from Afghanistan. They can apply for permanent legal residency, in other words, green cards, which is a third status that cuts through a lot of the red tape. And all the events happening on the art scene in your weekend preview. That's ahead on Midday Edition. Hello, podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet. When you're hungry for information and entertainment, you go to KPBS and want to eat, uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, you're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas, like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you. Ready, set, get loud. That's the call to Padres fans from local sports columnist Bryce Miller. The reason? For the first time since 2006, San Diego will host its first baseball playoff game with fans cheering them on. After losing the first game of the series, the Padres responded with a dramatic Game 2 win over the Dodgers in a game full of twists and turns and an appearance from a goose. Tonight, the series returns to San Diego for the first of two games this weekend with the best of five game series tied at one game apiece. And joining me is San Diego Union-Tribune sports columnist Bryce Miller. Bryce, welcome back to Midday Edition. Thanks. Happy Friday. Happy Friday indeed. Uh, Set the stage for tonight's game. What's at stake and why is this moment so important for Padres fans? Well, it's enormous. And you start with uh, a little bit of what you explained. The fans haven't been able to watch a playoff game at Petco Park since 2006. Of course, the Padres played a playoff series against the Cardinals in 2020, but because of the pandemic, there weren't any fans allowed in the stands. And actually, you know, the significance of it from 
kind of the never before category is Padre fans have not seen a victory in the history of Petco Park in the playoffs uh, because in the series in 2006, also against the Cardinals, the one win they got was on the road in St. Louis. Just winning tonight potentially would be history in Petco Park and by default in San Diego for Padres fans, but gets amplified because you're playing the Dodgers. Padre fans like to call it a rivalry. It's probably not, given that uh, it's been so one-sided, but they also haven't played the Dodgers in the playoffs anytime recently. The last three series they played in the playoffs have all been against the Cardinals. So you've got to look back at the history of the significance of winning a playoff game there, but also just stirring in the near neighbor up, up north on the five who has won so much in this division nine of the last 10 times. And all of that stirred together makes for a really, really interesting night. On Wednesday night, the Padres won game two and something of a nail biter, didn't they? Yeah, the, uh, although Manny Machado in the first inning homered, uh, the Dodgers answered right away. They homered in each of the three first three innings. So the Padres were on their heels out of the gate. They were able to fight back. They won that game 5-3. A late insurance home run by Jake Cronenworth was huge. A uh, defensive double play that Cronenworth was involved with was huge, but probably bigger than anything. Once they did get the lead, uh, the Padres' bullpen was fantastic. Uh, they shut down the Dodgers over a couple of games, did not give up a run against one of the best lineups, if not the best lineup, including the top three in that order in baseball. So for all those reasons, uh, it was a nail biter, but there was so much that the Padres did right when the pressure amped up. And so for that that reason, I think they they kind of used that momentum to come into Petco Park and certainly with some confidence. What will you be watching for in tonight's game? I think the biggest thing is Blake Snell. Uh, the starting pitcher for the Padres. He's traditionally struggled in the first half of seasons and then really become a different pitcher in a good way in the second half of seasons. He followed that script this year. He had a rough outing his last time out, but for him, the formula is if he doesn't walk hitters and he doesn't lose track of the strike zone, he's very, very tough to beat. His stuff, as catcher Austin Nola explains it, is electric. Um, So really, it's a matter of Early in that game, watching for, is he walking hitters? If he's walking a lot of hitters, that is not a good sign. He doesn't fare well in those situations. But if he's not walking guys, he piles up a few early strikeouts. That's the Blake Snell that's been one of the best pitchers in baseball the second half. In your latest column, you liken San Diego to Charlie Brown, worrying that Lucy will yank away the football from him again. Uh, Why? Well, the Dodgers have won nine of the last ten NL West division titles, which is phenomenal. And the one they lost a season ago to the Giants, they lost by one game. And both those teams piled up more than 100 wins. So the Dodgers have always dominated the division, but um, and they've had postseason runs. They won a World Series in 2020, this pandemic-shortened season. So they're always the one at the end, at the finish line. And uh, the Padres, as we talked about earlier, haven't even experienced one playoff win in Petco Park history where fans were in the stands. So for those reasons, it's the Dodgers are the ultimate obstacle, the ultimate hurdle. You know, the the story of their playoff or just the matchups in the franchise history between those teams, especially in the in recent history, is that the Dodgers come out on top. Uh, they get the big hit. They make the big play. The, the Padres can't make the big play, can't get the big hit. So what they did the other night in L.A. in uh, game two was significant. And if they can repeat that in game three and force the Dodgers into a corner where they have to win the next two to not be eliminated, that's a huge moment. So maybe Charlie Brown finally gets to kick the football.
<laughs> and uh, regardless of how tonight's game turns out, Padre fans will have at least one more home playoff game on Saturday where El Cajon's own Joe Musgrove uh, returns to the mound. What can you tell us about that game? Well, there's going to be a cool moment that the Padres set up. The first pitch will be thrown out in that game by Jake Peavy. Jake Peavy was, well, Joe Musgrove, being from El Cajon, he went to Grossmont High School. He idolized Jake Peavy. That was the Padre he modeled himself after. Uh, Jake Peavy wore 44, and that's the reason uh, Joe Musgrove's jersey number is 44. So the symmetry of that in this situation, but also just the potential. If the Padres win tonight, it's right out of the storybook. The hometown guy on the mound with a chance to eliminate the Dodgers and move to the National League Championship Series. And finally, what would a win mean to the city tonight? It would be incredible. San Diego hasn't, you know, found the rosiest path on its sports journey. You know, the Chargers moved to L.A., NBA teams have left, athletes have left, big game losses, the verge of something great that falls apart. It's it's something that San Diegans kind of talk about. They know that that's, that's the history here in a lot of ways. And this a win tonight would begin to potentially change that. That puts you one win away with a home game remaining to do something that would be beyond energizing for the city of San Diego. I've been speaking with Bryce Miller, sports columnist with the San Diego Union-Tribune. Bryce, thank you and go Padres. Thanks. The Biden administration this month is changing how it processes visa applications for people from Afghanistan. Tens of thousands of Afghans are trying to get permanent residence in the U.S. Many assisted American troops during the war. Some have been waiting years for the State Department to approve their applications. Desiree Diorio reports for the American Homefront Project. Resettlement agencies across the U.S. have been inundated since the chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan last year. The Integrated Refugee and Immigrant Service in Connecticut is helping more than 500 Afghans navigate the immigration system. One of them is Abdul. We're withholding his full name to protect his family in Afghanistan. Speaking through a translator in the courtyard of the resettlement agency, he tells a complicated story of two failed visa applications. He says he's anxious for the State Department to approve his third one. I have served the Americans in Afghanistan, and I would love to serve the Americans in this country too. Abdul is here on humanitarian parole, but that's a temporary program, and Abdul's will expire next August. He applied for a special immigrant visa, or SIV, so he can stay in the U.S. permanently. But he's struggling to meet State Department requirements for documents and recommendations that can prove he worked with the U.S. military and government contractors, employers he lost touch with years ago. But they're not responding, most of them. It's no answers. People have changed. The numbers have changed. Lauren Peterson is one of the lawyers working on Abdul's case. She says many of her clients tell the same story about their rush to leave Afghanistan. They're destroying documents. They're wiping their phones clean. The last thing they want is to go through a Taliban checkpoint and have any evidence that they worked for anyone associated with the West. For applicants who do have their documents, Peterson says it takes an average of 19 months for the State Department to approve an SIV. That leaves Afghans like Abdul in limbo because their temporary parole can expire sooner. 
To try to address the backlog, the Biden administration has announced major changes to the immigration process. In October, the U.S. will stop accepting applications for temporary humanitarian parole. White House spokesperson Corrine Jean-Pierre says that will allow the government to concentrate its resources on permanent visas. We are adopting a new model where Afghans' arrivals will travel directly to the communities where they will be moving with the help of refugee resettlement organizations without a safe haven stopover in the United States. Advocates criticize ending temporary humanitarian parole, arguing the government should offer as many opportunities as possible for Afghans to escape. Meanwhile, a bipartisan bill in Congress would overhaul the immigration process further. Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal is a co-sponsor of the Afghan Adjustment Act, which he says gives refugees options beyond humanitarian parole or SIV status. They can apply for permanent legal residency, in other words, green cards, which is a third status that cuts through a lot of the red tape. It's not a new concept. The U.S. made similar accommodations for refugees after the wars in Vietnam and Iraq. Peterson, the immigration lawyer, says the new law would help. Being able to just put in your green card application, which is relatively straightforward, (laughs) that would be a huge relief. And then it would definitely reduce some of the bottleneck in the SIV queue. The bill has support from a vocal constituency of veterans who say the U.S. is obligated to help the Afghans who assisted during the war. But it's not clear when or if Congress will vote on it. I'm Desiree DiOrio on Long Island. This report was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hello, podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet. When you're hungry for information and entertainment, you go to KPBS and want to eat. Uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, you're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas, like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. For our weekend preview, we have Portraits, a classic opera full of earworms, something called noise music, and Mozart. Joining me with all the details is KPBS arts producer and editor, Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, welcome. Hi, Jade. Thanks for having me. Paintings that chronicle the formative years of young women are now on view at Oceanside Museum of Art. Tell us about Beside Herself. 
Sure. So this is an exhibit that's a series of paintings by Lonnie Emanuel. She's a California artist, and these are large-scale figurative works with the girl as the subject. And in most cases, there's minimal background, so the portrait really gets the focus. And there are multiple girls here. It's like a look at girlhood. And I think these are all teenage girls in their natural state, just like a wide range of expressions, emotions, fashion, and body language. There's joy, worry, some annoyance and awkwardness, and a lot of pensiveness, and it's all really palpable. One of them is a girl in, in a pink prom dress. She's wearing black combat boots and holding a fairy wand, and she's sprawled over a chair. There's a series with high heels with socks, uh, there's a girl who's kneeling in a corner, looking up while checking her phone, kind of like that teenage resting state. And I love the way Emmanuel uses light. It brings a lot of movement into the pieces, even when the figure is in repose or is seated. And this is all on view at OMA through February, and they're open from 11 to 5, Thursday through Sunday. And they also have extended hours Friday night. So tonight, they're open until 8. All right. Pacific Lyric Association will perform the opera Carmen this weekend and next. Tell us about this production. Yeah. And first, I want to talk about Bizet's music in Carmen and how amazingly familiar so many of these tunes are. When I was listening through the other night, I was blown away by how many famous hits are in one single opera. It's like earworm after earworm after earworm. The opera is sung in French, but it's set in Spain. And the story is about Carmen and Don Jose and this tragic seduction and jealousy between them. And it notably was one of the first big French operas that wasn't about upper-class characters. Carmen's what's known as an opera comique, which generally means the plot's progressed by dialogue in between songs. And Pacific Lyric Association, their model is to also add in English-language narration before major scenes so that they can help explain what's going on. So I think if you're intimidated by opera at all, this one might be a pretty good gateway. The prices are relatively low. I mean, it's still opera. The cheapest seats are about $60, but kids under 14 are free, and students up to age 25 are only 20 bucks. Pacific Lyric Association is doing three performances this weekend at the California Center for the Arts in Escondido, and then three more performances next weekend at the Joan B. Crock Theater in San Diego. And on the other end of the spectrum to opera, there's an experimental noise music festival on Saturday. Tell us about Checked Out. So this is produced by Stay Strange. They're a collective and a record label. They organize performances and events of experimental music and art. And this is their Checked Out Experimental Music and Art Festival. It's all ages. It's at the Central Library downtown on Saturday afternoon. There'll be performances by a handful of noise and experimental musicians like Quadra, Christian Hell, Dark Friends, and some DJs. You can expect walls of sound and some screaming and lots of gear. A lot of these musicians construct instruments and then compose music specifically for their hardware, like San Diego-based Dark Friends. 
And this is all in the library's auditorium. And they're having artists, zines, and vendors outside in the courtyard. San Diego Zine Fest will be there too. All right, Checked Out from Stay Strange is at the Central Library on Saturday from 1230 to 5 p.m. It's free and for all ages. And this week, the mainly Mozart All-Star Orchestra Festival returned to an indoor performance space after two and a half years outdoors. What can you tell us? So mainly Mozart, they're a chamber music organization. And for their all-star orchestra, they bring in principal musicians from orchestras around the world. So like the first violin from one orchestra, the first French horn from another. And if you remember, this was one of the first major live performances that we had in the pandemic. They did a drive-in version of their festival at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. And then they switched to kind of a picnic-style outdoor model, and they stuck with that for more than a year. But they're finally moving back indoors at a new venue at the Del Mar Fairground. It's their center theater, which is a $17 million performance space that ultimately will be operated by the Belly Up. And this October version of the Mainly Mozart All-Star Orchestra, it's already underway. And so there's two concerts remaining tonight and Saturday. Tonight, they'll perform piano concertos from Mozart and Ravel, also a piece by 20th century French composer Jacques Hubert. And this, this beautiful, poetic, single movement song by Ralph Vaughan Williams, it's called The Lark Ascending. This piece is based on a poem by English poet George Meredith. It's kind of a devotion to the Skylark. And Saturday's concert's called Mozart and Folk. So along with Mozart's Violin Concerto Number no. 5, they'll also play some of Dvorak's Slavonic dances. This is 7 p.m. tonight and tomorrow at the Center Theater at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. You can find details on these and more arts events and sign up for Julia's weekly newsletter at kpbs.org arts. I've been speaking with KPBS Arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thanks. Thank you, Jade. Have a good weekend. You too.